0: Hey, welcome to Pickled Parables. My name's Jesse. Man, it is so hot outside tonight. We're, we're having a, a little heat spike here in New Willamette Valley, and unfortunately, I don't have AC in the studio, so things are a little toasty. Uh, but anyway, I, I realized in the last episode that I misspoke when I said that we only have four more lessons in Galatians. Uh, it, it turns out we probably have five. I was having a difficult time with the, this next passage we're going to look at. And so I, I just split it up into more manageable chunks. So for today, we're only going to talk about uh, Galatians 5, 13 through 15. It's just a couple verses. Uh verses. And, and also we're going to talk about an important topic that is related to this passage. So let's get into it. be upfront with you uh, at the start here and just let you know that this, what, 15-minute lesson is, is not going to offer a comprehensive guide about the topic of love. My goal, I have a goal, my goal is to offer a simple explanation of how the Bible understands and presents love. And also, I, I want to compare the Bible's understanding of love with the world's perception of it. So that's that's the goal for this episode. To be honest, it's kind of difficult because the world's understanding of love is, well, it's ever-changing. It's, it's different every other generation. And so it's really hard to give a definition for something that's never the same. Even the idea of love is difficult to express. Like, is it an emotion? Is it something else? Is it like a choice, something that you decide you're going to do? Is it a, a state of being, like something that you enter into and reside in? Is it an ability, something that you develop and then practice? Is love a, a gift? Is it something that is first given to you, so then you give to others? What if it's a force? Is it, is it something outside of ourselves, something that we interact with? It's, it's, love in our modern day is is unquantifiable it's it's just there it's something we talk about with ambiguity it's it's something we experience and think about but sometimes people experience it and think about it differently than others love is a word that describes many things so for the sake of this lesson and for the sake of clarity i'm going to attempt to define love, within the English language, <laughs> just so that we're on the same page, or I don't know, at least in the same book. So this is the definition I'm going to offer. Love is a strong affection. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. It's, it's kind of cheating, because I just took a synonym and I added an adjective. It's, I know it's not great. I, it's also not a very pointed definition. It's very broad. But again, for the sake of this lesson, love is a strong affection. You can love a lot of different things. You can love food, you can love cars, you can love people. Sometimes you can be in love with a person. It's, it's a description for many things. It's, it's a strong affection for whatever, fill in the blank. Now, within different cultures... Love has different meanings as well. I'll let you know just at at the start here, I'm coming from an American perspective where love is equated to personal desire. This is the basic understanding of love in the United States today. It has a a huge emphasis on uh, self-love and the support of others' love of self. We're We're a very individualistic nation, so the Promotion of self and the support of others' promotion of self is is paramount. And this is kind of the undercurrent of American motive. We're we're always in the pursuit of happiness. We're always on guard for personal freedom so that we can live out our personal desires. If love is a strong affection, then we definitely love our personal freedom. And you know, it doesn't matter which side of the aisle we sit on. This is the makeup of our mentality. We are on the prowl (laughs) for ways of self-love. Now, with that said, I need to acknowledge this societal understanding of love produces certain things. It it produces excessive materialism, narcissism, and selfishness. Unfortunately, it, it also paves the way for division and fractures because... If self-love and the promotion of others' love of self is the primary goal, then, um, I mean, what happens when you meet people who don't necessarily help you love yourself? Or maybe you don't want to love them. Then, in that case, you would prioritize yourself and then you would deprioritize their existence. And, realistically, this is something we're experiencing today. Now, the good news about an American's understanding of love is that it's not totally flawed. There is a a basic understanding that love is able to be received and dispensed. Now, that small truth is important because the biblical understanding of love teaches that mankind was created in the image of God And that God is said to be love. So we were made with love. We were made to love and to be loved. This is an important thing to understand. And I want to speak directly to those who don't think they are capable of receiving love right now. You are designed to be loved. Listen to this from Genesis chapter 1. God said... Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and every over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. It was in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And also, this is another passage from John's first letter. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this... Is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us. Because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected in us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, well, he's a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen. He cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Do you see what I mean? We were designed to love and to be loved. But you know, this this biblical love, it, it sounds really different from that of our world's perception. While there is room for self-care, the focus isn't on personal fulfillment. Now, hear me on this. Let me make it clear that it is healthy and proper for a person to take care of themselves. And that, that does require a certain degree of personal interest. So don't misunderstand me and think we have to abandon our well-being. But I want to point out that the Bible never directly tells us to love ourselves. That tends to come naturally. Instead, we're told this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Philippians 2:3:4. This isn't saying we should hate ourselves and practice a, a false sense of humility where we take pride in, in how much we hate ourselves. This is reminding us to keep our priorities in check. You you see, the big difference between our societal love and biblical love is that one is self-love and the other is self-sacrificing love. One is selfishly greedy, the other is sacrificially generous. Listen to this. We know what real love is because Jesus Christ gave up his life for us. 1 John 3, 16. This biblical love is generous to the point of massive inconvenience. I would say that death for the sake of someone would be a huge inconvenience. Now, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life nor Angels, nor demons, neither our own fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This biblical understanding of love is self-sacrificing, generous, it's extravagant, unending, it's not a temporary feeling or emotion or attraction, it's undeserving and unconditional. Mankind has always struggled to define love because we view it as a form of evolution, it keeps changing, but God's definition is clear and it will never change. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it It doesn't boast, it's not proud, it, it doesn't dishonor others. It, it's not self-seeking, it does not get easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8 In contrast, the world practices this from 2 Timothy 3 1 through 5. But mark this there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Did you catch that? People will be lovers of self rather than lovers of God. This is why the world and the the Bible have different understandings about love one is selfish and the other is love that's responsive as 1 John 4.10 said in this is love that not that we have loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins we've been going through Galatians for the last couple of months now and we've learned a lot about the Old Testament law, specifically its purpose and fulfillment through Jesus Christ. Right now, I, I only want to look at three verses with the context of understanding biblical love. This is Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. You were called to freedom, my brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word or one commandment you shall love your neighbor as yourself but if you bite and devour one another watch out that you are not consumed by one another now i i wanted to spend a good amount of time detailing what kind of love is being talked about here even if it took the majority of the time this love is what comes from God. It's not a self-produced emotion. It's a joyful affection that's brought about by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Let's look at verse 13 again. You were called to freedom, my brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now, the freedom that's being talked about here is the salvation that Jesus Christ offers to any who would accept it. Through Jesus, we are saved from our sins and the condemnation of the law. Jesus fulfilled the law through his earthly life, and now through this freedom, we are given the helper Holy Spirit as we continue to live here on this earth. But Paul warned the Galatians, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Meaning, don't live a selfish, self-destructive freedom where sin takes over with control. Rather, within this freedom, willingly submit yourself to others with the love of God. Paul continues with verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word or one commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself with the awareness that we typically prioritize ourselves over other people, the law offers correction with God's love. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when this commandment was first given, it was understood to refer to other Israelites. But during Jesus' earthly ministry, he made it known that neighbor is anyone we interact with. He used a parable about a Good Samaritan to bring that point. Now, it This is impossible without the love of God influencing a person. And the law proved that. Those under the law were not under the freedom of Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit. What the law demanded but could not produce was the very thing Jesus lavished upon us and that the Holy Spirit inspires. And Paul warned again, but if you bite And devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Do you remember how I mentioned self-love has the potential to cause division? Well, something else that causes fractures is legalistic pride, which isn't that far removed from self-love. Thinking that you're able to earn God's favor outside of his precious son's blood. But Paul reminds the reader that love fulfills the heart of the law. And Jesus, who ultimately fulfilled the law, loves you. You are designed to be loved. And you may have experienced failed love before or or love that came with strings attached. But the love of God is self-sacrificing it's it's generous it's extravagant it's unending undeserving and unconditional it's the perfect love of God and this is the love that we're called to live out we're designed to be loved yes but we're also designed to love let me close with Colossians 3.10 In these two you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and that you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator." Let the work of the Spirit and the Word of God wash our minds clean so that we may truly resemble the image of God. Thank you for joining me on this slight detour. It it wasn't much of a study of Galatians as it was a, a topical exploration, but it is important for understanding the rest of Paul's letter. Now, next week, we will be looking at the the contrast of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit in galatians chapter 5 so stay tuned for that until then do me a favor and share your favorite podcast episode with a friend and be sure to explain why it's your favorite personally my favorite is episode 18 why galatians is so uh, so special to me i think it's my favorite episode because i i enjoy reminiscing about how I was introduced to the gospel. So be sure to share yours with somebody. And, you know, until next week, I'll catch you later.